Hello friends. Today we have Wanda Best joining us. She will share how her organization helps heal victims of domestic violence while also transforming the community. Hello. You're listening to the Women of Awe Action, Wisdom and Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Adrienne Dillard. The Women of Awe podcast is a podcast that celebrates the everyday woman who in her everyday activities has exhibited action when needed, wisdom as required, and excellence as a routine to make life better for herself, her family, and or her community. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Welcome to another episode of Women of Awe, Action, Wisdom, and Excellence. Today we have a guest, Wanda Best. As usual, I will not say a lot. I will let Wanda introduce you because quite frankly, she knows herself better than I do. Wanda, welcome to the Women of All podcast. Can you please share with my listeners what it is you do? Okay, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this wonderful podcast. I appreciate the opportunity. And I am a visual artist. I am a social justice artist and my paintings are of social justice issues. I am the founder and executive director of Art Transforms Inc. And what we do is we use art to educate, communicate and express ideas as well as to transform trauma. The organization started about six years ago uh, when I had my artwork in an exhibit and a little African-American boy about nine came over and asked me, he was asking me about the different paintings. And as I was explaining it to him, he said, I didn't know that there were black artists. And I said, wow, to myself, I said, wow, this child has not been exposed to art by people of color. And so that's what motivated me to start Art Transforms. We also provide uh, workshops in the mix of the art. We also do workshops on family violence, which include domestic violence, child abuse, elder abuse, teenage dating violence, male victimization, and narcissistic manipulation. Wow, all of that came from a little boy saying, I never knew there were any African-American artists. Well, the organization came from that, but as far as the workshops, I have been working uh, with survivors of domestic violence and intimate partner violence for the past 30 years. So what I did was merge the two. I knew that the benefits of art is relaxing. You could go inward, get into yourself and bring out something beautiful because it worked for me and, and it worked for the ladies that I was working with at the domestic violence shelter. And when I started the organization, I merged the two to bring that opportunity to the community. All right, so from what I just heard, you've experienced domestic violence. Yes, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. And I was an artist from um, seventh grade when I realized it. And 
So art was always a place that I could go to for comfort. As I started going through the domestic violence, I did not do art for 10 years. And then when it got to the point where I said, okay, I had enough, I, paint, I actually painted a picture about my 10 year experience with domestic violence. And ever since then I've been painting. So I know that art has, the, has transformative powers. You know, it can bring you out of a space that's dark. That's what it did for me. Well, I'm so sorry for what you had to go through, but I am thankful that you were able to find that art because like you said, it's what brought you through. How do you let others know that you are available to them if they need this type of release or healing? How do you connect with people? Okay, I connect with um, community organizations uh, through other shelters that provide housing for victims of domestic violence. You can find information about the organization on our website, which is www.artartransforms.org. All of the um, contact information is there. You can see uh, some of the exhibits that we've done. You can also see the workshops that we've done and how to contact us. Thank you very much. When you think about the organization Art Transforms, what is one thing you wish you had known before you started creating that organization? Thinking back, what was most important was how vast and how large the issue of domestic violence and intimate partner violence was. While I've worked with victims, I, I saw the people who actually reported it, but there were so many people who didn't talk about it. And when we did our workshops, uh, women and men, but more women than men, uh, would come over and start to talk to me about it. And that is when I saw how big a problem uh, domestic violence and intimate partner violence and family violence is. Annually in the United States, there are 6 million, that's a big number, cases reported by women of domestic violence. But there's also 3 million cases reported by men of domestic violence. And that number more than likely is underreported because men don't talk about abuse as freely as women do. They don't report it because of the stigma that's attached, but the, you know, it happens to men and women. Oh my, but 6 million women and 3 million men, both are, I'm sure, are underreported. Absolutely. Because everyone's not reporting this. But those numbers are astronomical. And, I, and, and when I started, I didn't realize it was that big. And as I started to do research and get more involved with addressing the issue of family violence, that I started to see how huge these numbers are. And like you said, both are underreported. Thank you for doing this for the small group that you can help.
And that is a blessing to them. As you started the organization or as you've gone along through the organization, what would you consider your biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? And what did you learn from that? Well, the biggest challenge was getting the money to support the organization, meaning by supplies and the organization expenses. And getting, as a nonprofit, you write grants. And so I had to develop the ability to write grants. And and one of the things I did was I took some courses on grant writing I had also did it when I was in graduate school, grant writing. I took one class and that kind of got me started, but then I needed additional information as, you know, times change and grant writing evolved. Mm-hmm. That was a challenge. But once I got it and I started submitting um, grants and answering requests for proposals, then I was able to get monies to support the organization. One of the things that I have to mention is, and you'll see this on our website, is um, we were able to secure our first funding from one of the New York City council members, Rory Lansman. And that kind of really jump-started us. Then we continued to get that funding for about eight years as well as other funding from the grants that I was writing. We also received funding uh, from the Dove Initiative from Councilman Idanique Miller, which enhanced our ability to do the work around domestic violence. So, I mean, it was a struggle at first, but if you're passionate, you have the desire to do something, it will manifest. I've heard a similar story before, actually, with one of our other podcast interviews. It seems that funding is always a challenge, especially when you're new and just trying to get people to know that you're even here and doing this work. And I believe she also said that you had to actually be doing the work and helping people before anybody's willing to give you funding. Absolutely, yes. They want to see a track record. See, that's the downfall is when you're new and starting out, you're not going to have a track record. I can understand that a funder don't want to give you money because they do not know how well you manage the fund. So they want to see over a couple of years, looking at your financial records, can you do this? That's what we had to do. You know, you have to build up. And, and that's one of the challenges of new organizations starting out is being able to build up that financial credibility in order to get funded. Can you think of any advice that you might give someone who wanted to start an organization? What can they do to kind of I don't know, make it a bit easier to get funding or at least which direction do you think they would focus to start getting funding? Do you think grant writing would be a good way to start? Well, you have to put all irons in the fire. You know, one, you have to have a good grant writer, but also you have to do fundraising. You have to look for private donors You have to create a following now with social media is much easier. You can use social media to build up a following. Once you get a following, it's easier to use that following to get donors. 
Can you identify one to two people who might have been influential to you along the road to where you are now? Well, I would say Barbara Scott, who was my mentor for a lot of years through all of my struggles and victories. Uh, She was right there with me. She is like an aunt to me right now. She's um, 82. So we still keep in touch. Actually, she called me yesterday, but I would not have been able to do the things that I've done without her. You know, like when you're going through, when I left my, um, just to give you a little history, when I left my husband, I had to, ex-husband, I had to go into a battered woman shelter. This was in 1987. And that is where I met Miss Scott. You know, most women who leave, you still in love with the person, but then they still the same person. So I was talking to Miss Scott about, I feel like I'm going to go back. He's calling me and she sat and talked to me until about three o'clock in the morning. And I didn't really know her. I had just got there. And because I still had that feeling that I wanted to go back, that morning I got up, went to back to the apartment. And when I got there, he had moved in another woman. And I'm like, and I still had the key. This is a crazy thing. And so that is what it took me to understand that Miss Scott was telling me the right thing and I need to move on. You know, sometimes you just got to see it yourself. Yeah. You know, especially... And so Miss Scott was number one. Uh, my professional, in my professional life, again, was Councilman Rory Landsman because he was the one that believed in my dream. And actually, I met him at an art exhibit. He was asking me about my art, and I was explaining to him about the art. And he said to me, I really think that what you're doing is great. Now, I didn't know that I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he really was. I guess I could say it like that. So his chief of staff called me and says, Rory wants to do a social justice exhibit with you in King's Manor. So I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. And then he said, And he wants to give your organization some discretionary funding. And that is what moved us to the next level. I never saw him before, never even heard of him, but here's someone that believed in what I was trying to do. And that was before Art Transform. No, Art Transform had just started. And that was before we actually was able to to do the things that we do now. And um, I will always remember, he's no longer in city government. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he moved on to state government now, but I will always remember him and Miss Scott as the two people that made tremendous difference in my life. Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I love hearing stories about how you got to where you are, who supported you, because usually... It's just, it's like you said with this councilman, he didn't even know who he was really. <laughs> Knew this person. Never heard of him. Right. Just <laughs> wanted. And then Miss Scott, you just met her that night. And she was saying profound things to you that you realize eventually, yes, she's right. 
And we connected with the poetry because she writes poetry and I was writing poetry. Poetry is another form of processing pain. And after that incident, I would show her my poetry and we connected like that. Tell me a little bit about the youth part of Art Transform. How does that work? Okay, with the youth, usually the youth come with their parents to the art class because we don't take them under 10 and they have to be with their parent. And the reason for that is when you get them too young, they cannot manipulate the paint on the canvas. They get discouraged and and some of them might not want to paint ever again in life. And we don't want to, to stunt that. So we take them at 10, but they have to come with their parent. The teenagers, when we do art exhibits, there are a few teenagers that are really good. And we always have their art in, in our exhibits. We do the teen dating violence at schools or community-based organizations to educate them around what healthy relationships are because as you know they are beginning to create their own relationships so if you have a young person that grows up in a violent environment where there's drug addiction alcohol um, domestic violence or child abuse going on these behaviors are learned and these behaviors are transferred into their own relationships as they grow So our hopes are to inform them on what a healthy relationship looks like. And so with the youth, that's um, the education piece that we do with them. We also include them in all our events. You know, they come to our events, they see what we do. Like we have conference coming up on June 26th, our annual conference, the conferences together we can heal the community that's the name of the conference and so what we try to do is to bring in presenters around each issue that exists in our uh, community so for example when we did it in person we talked about domestic violence family violence or um, by increasing the awareness around these issues we are able to increase the knowledge of the community and be able to identify the signs when these things are happening or they see these things. Yes, because like you said, a lot of kids don't know. And so that now that you're introducing it to them, they, they're aware of it and they're, mm-hmm. they're better prepared for it. Absolutely. And they can prevent themselves from being taken advantage of. They can also right. hopefully stop themselves from doing some of the damage that other people have done. Right. And they'll know the, the signs. Yes. For, for example, if you got a boyfriend and he wants to know where you are every second of the day and he's texting you and, and calling your phone, that is a form of stalking. And you can report that. You have a couple of minutes to talk about any topic you would like to share with us. What would you like to talk about? Since my passion, in all due respect to the men, is to help women understand when they are in a manipulative relationship. You see, many women will get into relationships with this charming person. He wines and dines you, buys you gifts, and everything is just great. But this is the trap. 
these are the things that get you lowered in. And as you're in it, you start to see cracks in what was presented because you know when you first meet them anyway, you're meeting the representative, uh, not the real person. So after a while, you start to see the real person. And this is where the narcissistic manipulation comes in. And, and a lot of women are not aware of this. Majority of the time it's the woman that's getting um, trapped into these relationships where he shows the world, he's Prince Charming. When that door closed, there's a monster there. When she or he reaches out to someone to talk about it, oh no, not him, he, you got everything. You got the house, you got the car, you got everything. He takes care of you. And so he has convinced everybody around you that he's this great person. In reality, this, this is the where the manipulation is. And so we have to be aware of those and be conscious of those behaviors, identify them, see them. The easiest way to tell how a person handles anger, example, if you're out having dinner and the person brings them the wrong meal and they go off, that's the issue. They don't handle anger very well. And the other thing is to remember, you have poor anger management, somebody that can't handle their anger at all, and then you have violence against women because you'll have abusers that, yes, may have poor anger management, but they'll be angry with every single person. Then you'll have some abusers that will only abuse the woman. They will only show anger towards women. And those are the ones that are dangerous towards women because the violence is gonna come out towards a woman. Whereas if a man made them that angry, they would not be violent. Those things come out fairly quickly and earlier yes. in the relationship, I would think. Yes. So you can really, that's a huge warning sign. Yes. But we just have to be aware and be open that's to, right. and not just be swayed by the Prince Charming aspect. That's right. Of them. That's right. Yeah. If you could share a story that captures what being a woman of action, wisdom, and excellence means, what would you share with us? The story I would share would be a woman who is successful and gives up her career for her husband and then He's making his career. She gave up her career to help him make his career. And then when he makes his career, he leaves her. Now, she has to be courageous enough to conquer that feeling of hurt and let down and disappointment to have a victory by going on and, and reconstructing her life the way she wants her life. And that happens a lot. It does. It happens much too often. I know you've already mentioned how you can connect with us, but could you please just finish up with that one more time, your web address, please? Sure. It's um, Art Transforms Inc. is the name of the organization. Our website is www.art. T-R-A-N-S-F-O-R-M-S dot org. 
Wanda, you've given us a lot to think about today. I think it's going to be helpful for everyone to hear about this and for us to be more aware of what's going yes. on and even to be available to someone else who might need our assistance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. Go ahead. You have something else to add? No, I was, I was just going to say, cause so many people suffer in silence because when you speak out, sometimes you're judged, you know, people will judge you. And so that stops the victim from talking because they are embarrassed already that they are going through this, you know, and, and they don't want to be judged because being judged is hurtful. It is. And this is happening. You need someone to talk to. So if we can just be there and available to people without the judgment, just say, look, I'm here to listen. You know, I can see there's something going on. Do you want to talk about it? No judgment. You know, I will just That's listen. Right. Well, thank you so much for this. Thank you thank for you. starting this organization. It sounds phenomenal. I, I would love to get over there and try to see what's going on. Yeah, because you should, are you in New York? I am not. Oh, okay. <laughs> next time you're in New York, you give next me a time call. I will definitely <laughs> try to make my way over there. Yes. All right, then. Well, thank you so much. And you have a great thank day. You. I know you have a lot planned for today. So you have a good day and be safe. Okay. All right. All right. Thank have Bye-bye. a good one. Thank you for joining me on the Women of Awe Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. If you are a woman of action or know of one who you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please contact me via email, womenofawe at adriandillard.com, womenofawe at adrian, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E, Dillard, D-I-L-L-A-R-D.com. Or you can post to our Facebook page. Always remember to be the best you that you can be. That is the best path to excellence. I hope you can join us next week. Please don't forget to support us by leaving a review.